0: Happy New Year, everyone. That's yeah. Yeah, better, right? Well, I'm Ron, and I'm one of, part of the staff of NOVA, uh, associate pastor, and uh, my job is kind of work behind the scenes. You don't see me up front anymore, but I work behind the scenes. But today I have the opportunity to share from God's Word, and we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 3. And so if you have your Bibles or whatever you use to look at God's Word, uh, turn to chapter 3. You kind of know who's the old guy on the staff. You notice I got the heaviest coat on that I have. And uh, because when you get old, you get cold. And, and And you know the young guys, when they come up here, they come up here and they preach in their shirt sleeves. And sometimes they even have shorts on. And I'm shivering <laughs> in the pew, but that's the way it is. I used to be like that, too. and uh, But sometimes I used to laugh at the uh, old man who wore cardigan sweaters all day. I don't laugh at them anymore. <laughs> By the way, if you want the notes, they're on the church website, and you can find them there. Some years back, we were part of a Bible camp. And uh, we used to send our kids there, and and I'd always go. When our kids would go, I'd be a director of the camp, or dean, or something, but involved in the camp. It was a Bible camp, and and at this camp, there was one family that uh, ran the camp. Uh, This particular family was the sweetest couple, one of the sweetest couples I've ever met, but they had eight children, five boys, three girls. And they were all in the camp, uh, all at that age bracket where they were still at home. Well, after the camp, or after the day it was done, and, you know, we kind of, after dinner, uh, the family, the kids uh, from that camp would, or from that couple, would go out and they'd swim, because we had a swimming pool at the camp. And I'd go out and watch them, and I got acquainted with the boys uh, quite well, because they were you know, younger than I would, but I, I became acquainted with him quite well. And I noticed that one of, the, one of the sons, his name was Tuna. And I thought, that is the strangest names. And over the years, that's all I ever knew him by, is Tuna. And one time I asked him, I said, you know, I, that's the strangest name I've ever seen. Well, he said, that's not really my name. He said, my name is Al. And I said, Al, I would never, I've never known your name to be Al. It's always Tuna. How in the world did you get your name? And he said, well, when I was younger, he says, uh, my family, we used to go out swimming and at, the, at the camp. And he said, I'd go out on the diving port and I'd look at the water and I'd back off again because I was afraid. And oh, he says, I got harassed by my brothers. And he said, they'd keep calling they they holler out at to me hey hey chicken of the sea chicken of the sea <laughs> and he said somehow out of chicken of the sea it became tuna and i became known as tuna well as we read Joshua chapter 3 and just about to read it you're going to discover that the priests and the children of Israel were certainly not chickens of the sea. But they were people of an incredible faith and boldness. So follow along as I read from Joshua chapter 3 uh, this morning this wonderful passage. Let's begin with verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests, who are Levites, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Skip down to verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua told the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Go down to verse 13. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot on the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream, will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Verse 15. Now the, Lord, now the Jordan is at flood stage during harvest. Yet, as soon as the priests who carry the ark reach the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Last part of verse 16. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. God had promised children of Israel way back earlier that they were going to have a promised land. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 7 verse 6, he told them that they were his chosen people. And he promised them that he would deliver them from the yoke of the Egyptians, and not only from the yoke of the Egyptians, but he would bring them to the promised land. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 6. And God swore that He would bring them to the promised land. He promised them with uplifted hand and signing it with His character. He said, I am the Lord. And so the children of Israel had that promise. And so God delivered them out of Egypt. And they came to the edge of the Jordan. And they sent spies into Canaan to spy out the land. Ten spies came back, said, I can't do it. Two spies said, we can. And so the people believed the ten spies. And so as a result, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, the second generation is at the same place the first generation was, 40 years later. They're faced with the same obstacles the first generation faced. The flooding Jordan, the Bible tells us that it was flooding at that particular time. I looked up and what it was what it would have been like in that day for a flooding Jordan to take place at harvest time and experts seemed to think that at that time it would be about one hundred and ten feet wide and ten feet deep. That was the Jordan River. Another obstacle they faced was Jericho. Jericho is a walled city, a very powerful city. It had two walls. The outer walls were the outer wall was six feet thick. The inner wall was 12 feet thick, both walls 30 feet high. And the archaeologists who have done some digs at at where Jericho was, they uh, have determined that the city, as far as its circumference was concerned, was 1.24 miles. And there's a third obstacle that they faced. There were giants in the land. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 2, describes those giants as being great and tall. In Numbers 13, 33, as the ten spies went back and went and checked out the land, they came back and they said, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. There were giants in the land. But God gave a promise. God gives us a promise as well. And I want to remind you of it. You know know of this promise as well if you've been with the Lord for a long time. For year 2022, I just want to remind us of that promise. And it was given by Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Some translations call the abundant life the full life or life to its fullest. I like the message prayer phrase uh, with that uh, verse. It says, a life that is better than you ever dreamed of. So he gives us life when you invite Christ in your life, and then from that point on, a life that you better a uh, life better than you ever dreamed of. And I don't know about you. But I want that life. And like the Apostle Paul, I strive for it. And I realize that I won't reala- realize it in its totality until I get to heaven. Which at my age, probably will be sooner than you will. But I want that life now. Jesus promised it, and I'm sure that you do too a life better than you ever dreamed of. So the question I pose this morning as we look into our, our, in Joshua chapter 3, how can we really know Christ? How can we experience the full life, the better life than we ever dreamed of? How can we overcome the obstacles we will face in 2022. And how will we. Come overcome. Our basic tendency. Because of our old natures. To be chickens of the sea. Well. Israel's experience. As it's recorded for us. In Joshua chapter 3. Provides a blueprint for us. A guide. To follow. in answering the question. How can we experience this life. The first part of that blueprint found in Joshua chapter 3 verses 1 through 2 it can be described by the word wait. Wait. But not just wait, but wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. They the children of Israel have wandered for 40 years. God had given them the promise Forty years have gone by. Now they get to Jordan, and it says in Joshua 3, verses 1 through 2, 1 through 2 after three days, they've got to wait another three days. They get across Jordan, and once they camp across Jordan, now God asks them to walk around Jericho for 13 times. Got to wait. Wait. Boy, that's a tough concept for us in our instant gratification culture that we live in. (laughs) We're impatient people. You ever gotten behind of a car on the freeway driving 45 miles an hour and you can't get around them and you're late for an appointment? You ever stood in line at a grocery store and they only got two checkers? And the person is taking forever to check out. You ever been at the post office, which I was a day or so ago, a couple days ago? They had two people working at the windows and the line was forever long. And it seemed like it took forever for them to do their business at the window. And you think, oh, man, my legs are killing me. My back's hurting. Come on, let's get going. And that's the way it is. I don't, I, don't, I don't particularly like to cook. In fact, I hate cooking. If you can't put it in a microwave and prepare yourself a meal in less than three minutes, forget it. <laughs> Impatience. Push a button. I want it now. That's the culture we live in. But Psalm 27, verse 14 tells us, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Notice it mentions it twice. Wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord, and in the middle, be strong and take heart. So when God says that, in fact, fact, I, I I didn't stay up all night to count this, but For those people who do it's their business to count things like this. But according to them, the words wait for the Lord occurs some 89 times in the Bible. So we need to take note, my friends, that God puts high value on waiting for him. Waiting for him. And here's the promise if you do. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It describes us that we're going to be like eagles. Most birds, they hide when there's a storm. But an eagle, because they have strong winds, they fly into the storm and above the clouds. When we wait upon the Lord, that's what we do. We won't get weary. We won't faint. Luke 1.37, reading from the Phillips translations, for no promise of God can fail to be fulfilled. So trust God and carry on. That brings us to the second part of the blueprint from Israel's experience in Joshua chapter 3. And it can be defined or it involves focus, our focus. You want to know how to have that life that is beyond what you could ever dream is? It involves focus. Reading from the message paraphrase, it says, When you see the covenant chest of God, your God, carried by the Levitical priest, start moving. You'll see clearly the route to take. The people left their tents, led by the priest, carrying the chest of the covenant. The chest of the covenant, or the ark of the covenant, was God's presence for Israel. You know, God dwelt in the Shekinah glory. You couldn't even touch the ark. Only the high priest was able to do that once a year, and if he messed up, he died. It was a holy thing, but it was God's glory. But the important thing to notice here, that it had to go before them. And so Joshua told the priest, pick up the ark, go out before Israel, and Israel, keep your eyes on the ark. Don't like be like the first generation. You got your eyes on the flooding Jordan, on the Jericho, the city of Jericho, and on the giants. Keep your eyes upon God. When you keep your eyes upon God. Flooding Jericho. Or flooding Jericho and Jericho are flooding Jordan and Jericho, and giants are no problem. Hebrews 12, verse 2, commands commands us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Run with endurance. That's hard to do. Because we're bombarded daily by uh, advertisements from all sides clamoring for our attention. It is constant. And some spend millions to get our focus to focus upon the product that they're trying to sell. <clears throat> I had to learn that the hard way. Some years back, Things were not going well in a church that I was serving. I've served all over the United States as pastor, senior pastor. But things were not going well. There were empty pews. Uh, The budget was down. And I was distressed and discouraged as a pastor. I was having my devotions one morning in my office. and I could hear... I could feel the voice of God speaking to me. And God was saying, Ron, why are you so Why are you so unhappy? I said, are you kidding me, Lord? I'm working hard. And you notice those empty pews out there? People have left the church for various reasons. Budget's down. Yeah, I'm unhappy. If I bring in spirit, Fired up people who love me with all their heart in your church, and, and I fill those pews. How do I make you feel? Oh, man, Lord. That was great. I'd be so happy. There was this long pause. And all, all of a sudden, I could hear the voice of Jesus say, But Ron, I thought I was your happiness. And I realized suddenly that my focus was all wrong. My focus was on the pews, whether they were full or empty. My focus was upon the budget, whether it was plush, in the black or in the red. And my focus would be up on Jesus. It changed me. It changed me. I like the bulletin board sign that says, if Jesus is your co-pilot, po- co- it's time to change seats. There's a chorus the hymn that we sang and have sung. The hymn is, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And the chorus goes like this. For those of you who are watching we have a sovereign the chorus of the hymn turn your eyes upon Jesus goes like this turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace the order was given to the children of Israel when you see the covenant chest of God you'll see clearly the route to take because God is leading you Someone said that the child of God does not talk about getting the victory it isn't the victory he wants it is the Victor capital V Luke 137 For no promise of God can fail to be fulfilled. So, my friends, trust God. Carry on. And that brings us to the third part of the blueprint. To the life beyond what we ever dreamed of. It's a blueprint that was Israel's too. And we discover from Israel's experience, it involves the word personal lifestyle. Lifestyle. Chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate. The word means to purify, to clean, your, clean up your act morally, make spiritual preparation, be a set-apart one for God in our world. Tony Evans in his Bible commentary says, Most people wouldn't dream of walking into the presence of the President of the United States without first taking a shower and dressing appropriately. Though a human leader is a sinner just like the rest of us, how much more then would we prepare, should we prepare ourselves spiritually if we want to encounter the divine presence of God? Joshua told Israel to clean up and prepare because God was about to blow their minds. My friends, if we want to experience the presence of God, if we want to have that dream, that life that's greater than we ever dreamed of, consecration is essential. Oh, you have life. But if you want to experience the presence of God, consecration is essential. You have to be a set apart one for God in our culture. Philippians two twelve says, be careful. To put into action God's saving work in your lives. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. 1 First First Corinthians 10.31 Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Don't follow your heart. <clears throat> as culture tells you to do. But do as Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says. Above all else, guard your heart. Or it is the wellspring of life. It's a lifestyle of hope, peace, joy, love, about which my fellow colleagues at NOVA preached about in December. It's a hope and a peace and a joy and a love, even when you're facing. Jordan rivers, and Jerichos, and giants in your life. Concentrate on being completely devoted to Christ in your hearts. 1 Peter 3, 15. No promise of God can fail to be fulfilled. Trust God. Carry on. And that brings us to the fourth part of the blueprint from Israel's experience that we learn in Joshua chapter 3. And that involves trust. Trust. That defines that part of the blueprint. In chapter 3, verse 8, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Chapter 3, verse 15, now the Jordan is at flood stage. Yet as soon as the priest's feet touched the water's edge, the water's upstream stopped flowing. Verse 17, the priests who carried the Ark of Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by. I've been around a long time. I've been a pastor for, oh, I don't know, I guess 55 years, something like that. I've read this passage many times. Many times. <clears throat> and I'm always fascinated and challenged by the faith of those priests. Understand, people, the Ark of the Covenant was a heavy piece of furniture. And it had rings on the side of it. And so the the priests would put A long pole through those rings on each side of the Ark of the Covenant. They'd hoist it up on their shoulders and carried it. Now, they are told to step into the flooding Jordan. That's counter science, that's counter intelligence. It makes no sense. Because from a natural point of view, when you're carrying this heavy ark and you step into the flooding Jordan, you're going to die. All they had was the promise of God. That's all. They pick up the Ark of the covenant, and they step into the Jordan. How'd you like the priest to be the priest, the two priests in the front? of that ark carrying it and step into the Jordan. And lo and behold, because of their faith, because of their trust in God's promise, the waters parted just like God said it would part. And it piled up. And then the priests, the other miracle is instant dry ground. And they stepped down and they stand in the middle of the Jordan. The water piled up high, very high, or on the side. (laughs) And all Israel passes by. And notice the faith of Israel. Probably over two million people at that time. All their animals, all their people, all the kiddies, Passing by on dry ground, this huge wall of water. But keep your eye on the tabernacle. Keep your eye on God. Some time ago, I was called, actually, by my office administrator to go visit. Her nephew, who had been arrested for murder of a child two years old, I found out her nephew was 18 years old. I said, Yes, but you got to get your friends together and call out to the church to pray while I do. He was in a local jail. So I went to the jail. They put me in a little room. All I had was a telephone and two chairs in there. And finally they shoved in the prisoner and he looked terrible. He had a long beard and his, his hair was long and kind of matted. And they put him in there and he stood absolutely icy eyes and didn't move a muscle. It didn't even seem like he was breathing and he just stood there. And as he stood there I told him why I was there. And nothing. I mean, serious. This guy looked horrible, scary. And I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? The Lord reminded me of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where it says, The Word of God is powerful. And it's able to turn a person inside out and expose them for what they really are. And I said, Okay, Lord. I believe your word. I know it's truth. I built my life on the truths of this word. So I pulled my little Gideon Bible out, which was the only thing that they allowed me to take. They took my belt and everything. It's the only thing they allowed me to take in my little Gideon Bible. And I opened it to the Gospel of John, and I began reading. And I read, and I read, and I read, and it seemed like an eternity, but I read. He just stood there didn't twitch. And finally, he relaxed a little bit. He looked down. He sat down at the other chair. I looked up, and tears were streaming down his face. And I continued reading a little bit. And finally, I told him. I said, you know, God loves you. And I'm not here to judge you, but God loves you. And I told I presented to him the plan of salvation as God presented it. And I asked him whether he would like to invite Christ in his life, and he said yes, and he did. And I want to tell you the story is much longer than that, but I'm gonna tell you it absolutely transformed his life. In fact I led his mom and dad to the Lord the next day because they visited their son and they saw him kneeling in, in, in jail beside another prisoner with that little Bible that I gave him and leading that other prisoner to the Lord. It transformed him. But I want to say that as an illustration, you see, to trust. Trust God's promise. Trust his promise, my friends, it is absolutely essential if we're going to have a life that God, a life that's greater than we ever dreamed of. No promise of God can fail to be fulfilled. The life beyond what we ever dreamed of involves trust, to so trust God and carry on. All Israel had was God's promise to inherit the land. It's all they had. And the blueprint was wait on the Lord, Keep your focus on him. Be set apart for God as a lifestyle. And trust God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Our inheritance, pro- our inheritance promise from Jesus is not only eternal life, which he gives. We don't give it to ourselves. He gives us the life. Jesus said, I'm come to give you life. That's one aspect. But to give it more abundantly or a better life than you ever dreamed of. Two separate things. You can have a life and live like a pagan in your lifestyle or be a pretty good guy but no one knows you're a Christian. You can't have the life greater than you ever dreamed of. I don't know your heart. I know most of you. But maybe you're here today and, you know, you got it all up here. And you know a lot about God. But you've never really touched God personally. And maybe God's tugging at your heart. And maybe this is the day when in your Quietly, as you sit in your seat, you just say, yes, Jesus, I want that life. My friends, you can't skirt the cross. You can't run across, around the cross. You have to go through the cross. And you're going to say, yes, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. And I want you to take away my sins. And I surrender my life to you. And you begin 2022 with that life and then begin the adventure of the life beyond what you dreamed of.